We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. Well, HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. So start saving with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Now on from 1 until 4, 1 until 4. And if you want to hear the show uh, later on, as soon as we're done, you can go to the iHeartRadio app and look up podcast. Type in John and Ken On Demand, and you can hear the whole thing anytime, day or night. Uh, Today was the funeral for the Riverside County Sheriff's Deputy Isaiah Cordero. And uh, he was killed by a guy that some idiot judge let off uh, when she should have sentenced him to a three strikes penalty and somehow gave him uh, some freedom temporarily on bail. And of course he jumped bail. Yeah. Uh, it's just, just a, it's a story that we've done too many times over the years that somebody like this, somebody really violent with a long criminal violent history is let out on the streets. Uh, it's, it's a, it was a two striker. It should have been a three striker, but that didn't happen. So that's one of the reasons that this killer was out there to shoot the deputy to death. All right, so let's get Blake Trolley from KFI News. Yeah, and actually, Ken, before we even get into this story, guys, yeah, this 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 judge's decision's been on the mind of a lot of people out here today, from people lining the streets to watch the procession to other officers that came out here. They're well aware of this situation. And, Ken, uh, if I may just correct you a little bit, he was convicted of a third strike. He was awaiting sentencing. That sentencing was delayed because his lawyers were trying to get a prior strike removed. But as for the funeral today, cops were piled uh, uh, up outside the room 
because the room hit capacity. They came from across the country. Cordero was shot and killed, as you say, last week during a traffic stop. The driver, according to investigators, pulled out a handgun and shot him. And we're still waiting on more to be released surrounding the circumstances of that killing, including the body cam footage. Uh, But again, the procession leading into this funeral today was massive. And during the service, we heard from officials inside the Riverside County Sheriff's Department, as well as Cordero's loved ones. Cordero's mother was just in absolute tears as she recounted her son's life and her love for him. She revealed he was thinking about moving from California because he didn't like the way things were going in California with law enforcement and the judicial system. And at one point, she turned to take full aim at this judge we're all speaking about right now who handled the case of the shooter, a previous case of the shooter. Uh, The shooter, again, for those who don't know, was a third striker. He was convicted of his third strike in 2021, and a judge in San Bernardino County lowered his bail while he was waiting to be sentenced. This is despite prosecution asking that he remain in custody until that sentencing. The man posted bail in March. We'll go to bite one. This is the mother of Deputy Chad Cordero. Or sorry, Isaiah Cordero. is no longer an option for our community, our state, our nation. We are done with the statistics and virtual signaling. We cannot afford to stand down in silence. We will act with the same intensity you did for Isaiah. Sheriff Chad, my uncle, your leadership should not be the exception in law enforcement. It must be standard. Thank you for illustrating this over the past week. It has brought great confidence and hope to our family. Judge Cara Hudson, my family is devastated. My son, was a good man. <laughs> My family, Isaiah, brothers and sisters, and his community demand your resignation. Do we know, do so we as know, you can hear there, she demands resignation in a, in a room full of cheers. Hello? Yeah, you guys still got me? I guess we lost uh, Blake Trolley. We did. Uh, I thought maybe I went off the air. Yeah, I did. <laughs> same thing. I had the same kind of reaction. Was... I'm checking my equipment here. All right, so we, we lost a connection with Blake Trolley. Kara uh, Hudson is the name That's of this her name. judge. Okay, yeah, uh, we got to get that on the radar. H-U-T-S-O-N. Yeah. I've been... This is a Riverside County judge? Uh, Superior Court of San Bernardino County. And we mentioned her the other day that uh, she uh, ran for re-election last year, and she won her seat outright in the primary in June because uh, she didn't have uh, any uh, any competition. Uh, wow. And so they 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 uh, actually they didn't even have a primary election or a general election. She was just she was just declared uh, judge for another term. I mean, that's, that's just crazy. Uh, how many times, you know, when we, we do the voter guide, we tell you we can't really research every judge. Boy, wish that one had been on our radar back in November. We could at least singled her out. Right? I wonder what else she's done. Uh, Blake, you back on? Yeah, I'm back on, guys. And, uh, yeah, you guys talk about the judge being reappointed there. I do want to talk about this third strike. You know, I feel like we've, we kind of heard it in, an, in a real overview way. So one of the first things I did last week, and I know you guys were out last week, is I interviewed D.A. Jason Anderson, 
what was this case surrounding? What was this third strike case surrounding that led the DA to say this guy should stay in custody? If we can go to bite two, he details it. He was in jail um, around early part of 2021. And when he was in jail, he asked on again, off again, girlfriend who was a victim in this case to watch his apartment Uh, while he was in jail. um, And she was watching the apartment. She was gone at some point. uh, And he found out that the place was burglarized. And I think one of his motorcycles might've been taken when he gets out of custody, he's back over his apartment. And he asked this on again, off again, girlfriend who was watching the house to come over. Um, but really what it appeared to be was a setup. Uh, Cause when she came over, he immediately started assaulting her. Um, he tied her up, put duct tape on her, uh, put her in zip ties uh, and moved her around from the garage, kept her in the living room and the bedroom at times for two and a half days. Uh, she was finally able to escape, and when she left, she obviously called law enforcement and friends and described what she did. Um, and then uh, when law enforcement was attempting to make contact with him, that's when he and a co-defendant went on the evading that was on the news, what, a uh, year and a half ago, uh, where they're going up the Cajon Pass, uh, and they get out, and one of the co-defendants stabs the canine. Um, so that that culminated in that, that three-day crime spree. Uh, but essentially what it was was uh, it sounded like payback to the on-again, uh, off-again girlfriend who he thought probably it was a setup that his house got burglarized and he was holding her responsible for it. And, you know, guys, Jason Anderson, DA Jason Anderson, told me that just to get to three strikes in California is so hard these days with charges being watered down. And that was a big reason he felt that, you know, it was so important that this man stay in custody uh, while that sentencing decision was being uh, was do, being discussed. Do we know why? Did the judge give a public reason as to why? She would let him out. I, I, you know, so, I mean, you, you could send him back to prison <laughs> awaiting appeal. And what was the bail number exactly? I'm really frustrated. Yeah, by, so, so you, the you, bail, go ahead. Yeah, to answer your question last week, you know, I know a lot of reporters attempted to make, you know, to get comment. And at that time, the, you know, the court system said that it wouldn't comment on it. So uh, that's where things are at with that. Now, with, no, I with just the wonder bail, when, she was, was that, when she was on the bench, sometimes the judges... Right talk publicly and explain why they're well i believe it's yeah i believe it was so that they could review if that prior strike you know was going to be considered because that would obviously levy a much harsher punishment so that was a big decision but again when you've got somebody and you you know according to the da's case here um i think you know the way the da was looking at this was well he's not going to get probation for tying somebody up right so it's probably okay if he's just in custody for now um and again, that bail started at $950,000. Again, the DA says, hey, I don't want you to allow this guy to post bail, you know, keep him in custody. The DA then lowered that bail, I believe, down to about $500,000. He was able to post it. He was able to post it. And who posted it for him? I mean, you got to put up at least, you got to put up at least 10%. Been, yeah, that is something that I've been trying to figure out, maybe a bail bond, but he was able to post it last March against the, uh, the wishes of prosecution. And again, guys, this is something that is as rocked, you know, law enforcement community across the country. I spoke to an officer from Dallas today. There sounds like police in Dallas are well aware of this situation. I, have, I actually have another soundbite. Do we have time? Do we have a second? Yeah, go ahead. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. What do you All make right, of the so circumstances this is, this is a detective. This is a, yeah, this is a NYPD detective uh, Christopher McGinnis. He came all the way out here for the funeral, and uh, I overheard him talking about this, so I uh, I pulled him aside. What do you make of the circumstances behind this? You know, the DA in San Bernardino says he asked the shooter to remain in custody. Um, 
until he while he was awaiting sentencing the judge lowered the man's bail he posted it last march and here we are what do you i'm sure you know the circumstance i heard you talking previously about the circumstances of this case what's your reaction to that as an officer as an officer it's frustrating as a detective i've i've had many many cases where people should be in jail but they're not it's almost like you do your job and they're they're out of out of jail before the ink dries um, it's frustrating more, not so much for the law enforcement. We find it frustrating, but I, I feel more for the victims. This, this, this could have been converted completely. I'll never step on a judge's toes and say that he or she can't have jurors, um, their, their belief of the interpreting the Constitution, but this is somebody should have been in jail. And I'm with the DA's office on this one. They, this is someone that should have, this could have been easily avoided if he was in jail. So, yeah, guys, Judge facing a lot of criticism uh, over this whole situation. Well, because he clearly was violent and unstable. He lures the girlfriend over and then ties her up for two and a half days, carrying her from room to room because she was watching a house where his motorcycle got stolen. I mean, if that's not a sign of somebody who's a psychotic, what else do you need? And a psychotic is exactly the guy that you lock up on no bail and, and, and you do sentence as much as possible. You put in all the extra enhancements and the second strike and the third strike, and you give him the maximum because he's psychotic. That was an insane mm -hmm. act he committed. All right, yeah, and, and again, the DA said he was just viewing it as a sentencing after that. He didn't, you know, it, it doesn't sound like he was, uh, and I think that's pretty common sense that nobody would have thought the guy was going to get, you know, probation after something like that. So, All right, Blake, appreciate your report. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, it's Blake Trolley, KFI News, covering the funeral today for Riverside County Sheriff's Deputy Isaiah Cordero, who by all accounts was really beloved by everybody on the force. Very sad day. And of course, Monday, we're expecting to talk to Riverside County Sheriff Chad Bianco, who will talk about the man we've just been talking about. I got a little more to tell you, the killer who should have been in prison. But a judge, even after a third strike conviction, enabled him to get bail, and he was out on the streets, and their lives collided uh, in Riverside County just over a week ago during a traffic stop, and this man shot Deputy Cordero to death. As soon as we return, we will have a key word. It's another one, another chance for you to win $1,000. The KFI cash refill is coming. John and Ken, KFI AM640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. All right, so uh, the sad event today is a funeral service for a Riverside County Sheriff's deputy who was killed during a traffic stop just over a week ago. Uh, he, his name is Isaiah Cordero, and uh, you heard Blake Trolley play some audio from family members who are outraged over a judge, a San Bernardino County judge, who when she had William Shea McKay before her after being convicted for his third strike, and I have more details on that. Uh, by the way, he started everything in 1999 with a strike, pleading guilty to assault with a firearm, spent three years in prison. Then in 2005, he and a co-defendant attacked a sleeping couple in their apartment, assaulted them, Stole $3,700 from a safe. Third strike, and you heard Blake lay it out. False imprisonment, evading a peace officer, criminal threats, resulting uh, in possible death or great bodily injury, and receiving stolen property. Can I go back to the second strike for a second? Yes. Because it was a couple, and what he did to the woman, smothered her with a pillow, punched her multiple times, grabbed her by the hair, and slammed her head into the desk. Isn't and this what three strikes was designed for, to put these people away forever? Yeah. That was the idea. 
multiple violent, really psycho crimes. And you have this crowd now that believes in criminal justice reform telling us, no, no, everybody can be rehabilitated. We shouldn't judge too harshly. No one should be put away for life. There's always a chance of this being a better person. I, Honestly, 1999 till now, we still doing this stuff? I'm, I'm looking at the media coverage, and it's fascinating how very few outlets mentioned Kara Hudson's name, the judge. It looks like the media locks arms to protect the judge. Uh, and and then I looked, and L.A. Magazine had a piece on this, and they quote a defense attorney named Lou Shapiro to try to explain what Hudson was doing. And he thought it may be that um, there's now a uh, a trend towards sympathy for dr- for suspects with drug addiction issues. Oh. She tried to set a bail amount that reflected what she thought correlated with the actions he was convicted for. The actions he was convicted for... Tying up his girlfriend and holding her hostage for two and a half days? that He stabbed a, a, a highway patrol canine, a dog. Yeah, this was apparently one of these wild chases on television. What? what, what how? The only good thing is here, he's dead. So we don't have to worry about him going through the criminal justice system. He was killed in a shootout with police at the end of this chase. Do, do the judges read the history? Do they read the details of what these perpetrators have done? With their previous strikes, do they see a pattern of behavior? How volatile? I mean, this this guy flipped out on his girlfriend because his motorcycle got stolen. And he felt she wasn't watching the house closely enough. We, now, what do you say? The reason you don't let these guys out on bail is because in case they're pulled over by the cops, they are going to be in an extremely desperate situation. They're going to pull out a gun and kill the cop. That often is the reason they do it, because if they're they're at the end of their rope when it comes to their freedom. He was he had jumped bail. He didn't show up for his sentencing hearing. So he knew every cop that would stop him for whatever reason was gonna put him back in prison, probably for life. So of course he's know, gonna shoot to kill. I'm looking at another news story where Sheriff Bianco, who we expect to be on our show Monday, that um Instead of sentencing this McKay creep to 25 to life, the judge lowered the bail, allowing him to be released. He failed to appear for a later court date, was arrested again. But again, the same judge lowered the bail so he could be released. So and she as John said when he did this crime, he didn't want to be caught, and that's why he died in a shootout. So she gave him a break even after he jumped bail the first time? That's what it, that's what it says in this new story. Well, what yes. the hell? Is she insane? I think this is uh, subject to a possible recall. Can't you recall these judges? Yeah, you can. Can Kara Hudson, did, does she ever think, okay, if I let the guy out, what if a cop pulls him over? What's he going to do? Because he might be facing a life sentence. What do you think he's going to do? How many times have we seen this already where guys shoot when they think that they're going to be captured for the final time? Of course but they I, do that. What I don't know is whether or not uh, she did this on her own or she used some of our cockamamie criminal justice law reforms to justify releasing this man. I mean, when somebody's convicted on a third strike and he's had a long, violent history. It's still a third uh, strike. You don't give bail. It's time to go. Yeah, that's the thing. He was convicted. He wasn't uh, bailed. He wasn't given bail awaiting, awaiting right. the trial for the third strike. This was a convicted third strike. It was ball game over. Oh, I, I, and, and then wait, they they catch him, and then she lets them go. She lets the guy go again. Once <laughs> again, right? I mean, is she is she completely out of her mind?
he actually lowered his bail the next time. And Kara Hudson was a former prosecutor. You think there'd be something in her that would naturally want to punish a bad guy like this? Hold on to him, knowing what they're capable of, right? She used to prosecute guys like this for a living. What, did she fall on her head? Folks out there in San Bernardino County, if you guys ever want to walk, uh, work on a recall of this judge, man, we'll help you out because uh, this is serious stuff when judges are letting really sick, violent people yeah. like this slip through. There's there's a, pe- a petition online to, f- to encourage her to resign, but those usually don't work. Oh. Because she's not going to resign. They never do. This is uh, nationalpolice.org. They've got over 4,000 people that have signed the petition. Demanding that she resign immediately. Oh, they, they, they never resign. They'll never yeah. admit their mistakes. No. And they'll never say that their mistakes were grave enough to resign. And you notice that she doesn't even have the decency to speak out? Maybe apologize to the family? Just say, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Here's what I thought. I was wrong. No. Other judges should call her out. The world shouldn't go silent over this. Good luck finding her name in news stories, though. It's amazing, these these progressive a-holes in the media. All right, uh, we got more coming up. We're going to talk about uh, the fact that there are now uh, tens of thousands of big rigs and buses in California that are no longer legal. Yeah, thanks to the California Air Resources Board. We'll explain what this is. John and Ken, KFI, AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. We're now on from 1 until 4, 1 to 4 every day. And uh, after that, you can listen to our show as a podcast, same show. You go to it camp, is? It is exactly the same show, unless you're doing something. <laughs> We're doing a different one for the podcast. That'd be fun. Huh? Yeah. You're not paid enough for that, though. That's, well, you know, there's another three a... hours just on a podcast. That could be the really dirty show, though. Or... Yeah, you'd be able to cuss. I've, yeah, I've, the evil channel. Yeah, right? I know. I've I've always um, fantasized about doing that. Mm. Having yeah, the evil channel. That's what we would call it. The evil channel. You want to know what we really think? You know, want to know what we really want to say? Anyway, uh, listen to the podcast, which is this show. Uh, go to kfim640.com. Uh, no, go to the iHeartRadio app. That's where you go. Then go to podcast, type in John and Ken on demand uh, or something like that. I don't know. You, you'll find it. Figure it yeah, out. Yeah. As much as people say, does John really believe the stuff he says on the air? It's, it seems outrageous. He can't really believe it. Where do you hear the evil channel, John? Oh, no. Oh. It, 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 it's it, 50 times it, drilling deeper than that. It's, it's the same uh, opinion, just articulated differently. Right. If there yeah. was such a thing as the evil channel. You recovered from all the ficus tree problems at your home? Oh, and no. Falling no. You want to really know? No, no, no. Actually, your wife kept texting me, and I want to stay out of this, so. <laughs> no, it was, it was. She the, thought some of your information was incorrect. That's It all. was one thing that I, I got the wrong guy who, well, I found oh. out, I thought the three eucalyptus trees fell from the backyard behind our house, and one and a half of them fell on our property. There was a fair amount of damage to the property, and I thought the guy had planted them, and I was wrong. Eucalyptus trees have been around for decades. They're 100 feet tall. I just didn't realize they'd been there that long because we oh. had our own bamboo trees that were partly covering the eucalyptus trees. And I just. They just know, got much bigger over the years. They right? got much bigger. Yeah. They grew. So anyway, there is another tree on another property that we are watching because three <laughs> went watching. down. Well, there's. Because. Th- is another eucalyptus tree or another the, kind of tree? The soil. No, it's another eucalyptus tree. The, the soil is terrible there. 
Uh, you already had three go down. The ground is saturated. Tuesdays are going to be another two to three inches of rain. The winds yeah. are going to be blowing strong again. And I'm looking at that uh, tree, and it's like uh, something's got to be done here. That's like a gun pointed at us. Yeah. yeah. It goes again. I don't want to hear that. You should add the John screaming sound effect. <laughs> but that's the alarm. Well, I don't want to play that. Well, because, <laughs> no, the, the second tree split in half, and half of it came towards me while I was looking at the first tree down oh. on the ground. And I heard the crack, and I looked up, and I saw the thing coming in my direction. Wow. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, that was it. You should see how fast you move when you uh, see we got, a tree <laughs> falling on your head. We got uh, the Moist Line back for the new year coming up in the 3 o'clock hour now. We'll play those calls at 3.20 and 3.50. Ahead of that, we'll be talking about another lawsuit against L.A. Unified School District. The difference this time is, of course, child sex abuse. But uh, they're going after administrators and principals because they were actually convicted of a crime involving the cover-up the case. So now they're being sued. We're going to talk to a representative from Manly, Stewart, and Finaldi. In fact, Morgan Stewart will be our guest on this story at 305. Well, way back in 2008, the wonderful California Air Resources Board passed a bunch of, quote, clean air regulations. And then fast forward a few years later, Senate Bill 1 was passed. And now, January 1st, 2023, if you are driving a diesel vehicle that weighs over 14,000 pounds and was built before 2010, you are banned. It's, it just sounds like a big deal. I mean, I don't know how many of these are there are out there, but I know trucks, 20 trucks can be operated for I don't know, millions of miles or yes. many miles. Yeah. <laughs> long time. A long time because they're very expensive. And uh, what do you really need from them except to haul the goods, right? So it's not like you want to buy a new car every few years. So I don't know how many they're complaining that diesel exhaust is responsible. Oh, come on. 70% of the cancer risk from airborne toxins. Uh, but all right. I, and I saw that. 70% of the cancer risk from airborne Risk toxin. is a key word. Risk. And I'm thinking, all right, I guess we're talking about cancers like lung cancer, right? I guess so. Right. Okay. Lung cancer is down dramatically because far... Fewer people are smoking. So the number of people that they can trace cancer to airborne toxins, how does that work exactly? How do you know that? This is like one of these invented figures. And this, you know, this is where I say, show me the bodies. Show me the people who died because they got lung cancer because there was a small amount of diesel exhaust in the air. Trucks move all over the place. And, I mean, I guess if you live right off the freeway and trucks are constantly passing by. So, so don't live off the freeway. I don't. I wouldn't live next to the freeway. It's all some people can afford. I used to be poor, too. I didn't move next to the freeway. You um, have to move away from the freeway. There's other places to live. Every poor person doesn't live next to a freeway. That's a choice. See, that's the thing. Now that we have victimhood culture... Everyone's a victim. I am a victim of poverty. I'm next to a freeway. Pack your stupid little car and drive away from the freeway. And you'll find a cheap, a cheap house or apartment or a tent somewhere else. Don't give me this. Uh, You're not a victim because there's a freeway near you. So there are now allegedly 200,000 vehicles that are banned in California. It's not just big rig diesel trucks. It's buses, too. And, you know, when I talk about like Metro buses, there's also a lot of private companies 
that operate bus lines. The only exception to the rule will be vehicles that replace their engine with one manufactured after 2010 and ones that don't travel more than 1,000 miles a year. What I'm saying is whatever exhaust the buses and the trucks are producing is a minor factor in the grand scheme of things. There's not that many people that get lung cancer, and there's not that many that get it from airborne exhaust. And it's only 70% of the risk anyway, and I don't even know how you calculate that. See, that's the thing. How do you get to the 70%? Is this all invented stuff in order to give all the uh, dictators a reason to close down another industry? Well, the way they're going to enforce this is the DMV registrations. They'll deny you or they'll have CARB's enforcement unit doing audits of commercial fleets. They claim that so far they've gotten a lot of compliance. 1.58 million vehicles have gotten fitted with upgraded post-2010 engines. But the trucking industry says this is still not going to be good because even if you take a small percentage of vehicles off the road, it's already been tough with the supply chain. Well, yeah. We found out how important it was to have those trucks delivering the goods to the stores. No, we don't need fewer trucks on the roads. I know. There's a lot of things still out of stock. I, as I, I, I track this when I go to the grocery store, and there's still a lot of empty shelves. There's still a lot of uh, sparse. There's still shortages, huh? Yeah, there's still shortages. Absolutely. I check the toilet paper every now and then. I haven't seen a problem there. But <laughs> yeah, yeah that, was, there, that was the infamous well, one. That was caused by hoarding. Yes, that's true. That's true. That wasn't like a regular shortage. Uh, yeah, well, so what were some of the supply chain shortages? Was it baby formula? Was that a- Baby formula, yeah, which is still going on. It is, huh? Yeah. Oh. No, they, they, you know what? This will go down in history because right now there's a lot of uh, political passions about this stuff. But 100 years from now, if there are still sober historians, they're going to look back on the decisions made during the last three years as probably the stupidest, most insane emotional overreaction absurdities that a, a, that a civilization has ever inflicted on itself. Ultimately, it was, all this is about getting the big rigs to be electric, zero emission vehicles. That's There's not some possible. Some of the trucking right? industry that don't know how that's going to work. It's not possible. Right now, the way the world is, simply impossible. So I, I, don't, I don't know what this is about. There's no charging stations. There's no uh, electrical grid to support it. You could stop the story right there. And we will. All right, we got more coming up. Uh, reminder, the next hour, not only you get another word, a keyword, where you could win $1,000 cash, we'll also have the Moist Line returning for the new year. The Moist Line callers will be here beginning around 3.20. Johnny Ken, KFI, AM640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. We're now on 1 to 4 p.m. You can always catch all of the John and Ken show by downloading the podcast. Use the iHeartRadio app. Coming up after 3 o'clock, Another lawsuit against the L.A. Unified School District. Good grief. But this time, at least they convicted some school officials in the cover-up of a child sex abuse case. We'll talk about this with the law firm of Manley Stewart and Finaldi Morgan Stewart will join us right after the news at 3.05, which will be followed by the first moist line of the new year on the John and Ken Show. Uh, Well, things are apparently returning to normal today. In the Sinaloa state of Mexico, this actually took place largely in a city called uh, Culiacan in the northern Sinaloa state. It was just outside the city. The Mexican government sent in security forces to capture Avidio Guzman. And if you recognize the last name, he is the son of the 
drug kingpin Joaquin El Chapo Guzman. As you know, he just passed on the business to his son when he got imprisoned. And of course, El Chapo's in prison in this country. When he was in prison in Mexico, he escaped. So this time we took him and we have him in a secure facility in the United States. <laughs> well, but he, his son, he, he owned that prison. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Those were his employees. That Chapo was grabbed and taken to this country back in 2017. Uh, a lot of people believe that uh, they did this in preparation for old Joe's visit. Joe Biden is headed to Mexico next Monday uh, and Tuesday. Yeah. So when if Biden uh, raised the issue of all the drugs coming over the border, then the Mexican president could say, oh, but look what we just did. We just caught... Yes. Uh, this uh, Guzman character. I guess yeah. he doesn't have a nickname like his father yet. It's just Ovidio. That's uh, his first name. That's right. He is, uh, Guzman's El Chapo. Yeah, the son doesn't seem so to he have does, He doesn't like El Chippo or something? No, I don't know if you saw pictures of him. He looks like a player. I, I just can't explain it, but he looks <laughs> like one of these playboy guys that thinks he's really cool. Well, uh, I don't know how old he is. He looks really young, like he's in his 20s. Uh, here is the toll, because what happened when they did this is, well, the cartels reacted. Seven members of the security forces were killed, including a colonel, 21 injured, eight civilians injured. There were 12 clashes with the security forces, 25 acts of looting, 250 vehicles were set on fire and used to block roads. 250? Yes, that's what the cartel does. They block roads by setting vehicles on fire. My God. And putting them out there. So if you think you're just going to tow the car, you got to put out the fire first. See, you, you led a criminal organization succeed uh, this well for so many decades this is what happens they are mexico they are the controlling force there is no law enforcement no military no government's going to stop them no and there's been some pressure on them to do something because apparently this cartel headed up by the guzman son is big on fentanyl and that's a big scourge in the united states right now it's uh, making its way all over the country and causing all sorts of overdose problems I mean, we've talked about this before. The more powerful drugs are coming out of uh, Mexico now, even though fentanyl is largely made in China. It makes its way through Mexico into the United States. They have more powerful meth now that they're pushing on the American public. Fentanyl. This has really devastated the homeless community. So, so here, these people don't even know how to survive anymore. Oh, yeah. They're, they're killing thousands of Americans. Uh, it, it, it's fascinating that our government allows this to happen. Thousands of Americans are dying every year. And there's zero being done to stop it. Uh, this is life in uh, Culiacan right now. Uh, there are heavily armed teams patrolling in pickup trucks. And they're telling normal people to stay indoors. Schools are closed. All the administrative offices, the government, closed as well. Street blockades erected. So life's been shut down in that region because uh, the drug cartel is having a, a temper tantrum over this... Uh, over jo- Joaquin Guzman. Ovidio. Ovidio Guzman, the son. Yeah, over a video being, uh, being arrested. Yeah, what they tried to do was not just block the roads and set vehicles on fire. They went to the airport and started shooting up buildings and planes. They tried everything right. they could because back in 2019, they captured this guy. And after they did the same kind of violence, the president decided to release him. He didn't want too much bloodshed. So I guess they thought, well, if that worked four years ago, let's try it again. Maybe we can uh, force them to give up a video. But um, not so far. It's only been a couple of days, but not so Yeah, far. and this was, uh, you know, according to news reports, this is almost like a symbolic arrest. 
because uh, the president, uh, Lopez Obrador, was getting criticized for being soft on the cartels. Uh, they had released him from custody in 2019. And so, you are you know, with Biden coming and all the thousands of people dying from the Mexican drugs. Yeah, this, well, this, this, yeah, this, when this guy came into power, he said, I want to do something different than just have a military war on drugs. But now they're saying a few years later, he's given up on that. You've got to have a military war and win it. Yeah. There's no other way but a military war because the drug cartel is its own military. Well, they're so powerful with their own troops, plus they pay off so many officials yeah. to just look the other way. They own a lot of officials. They own a lot of the police. They own a lot of the military. They own everything. It's probably too far gone. It can never, it can never go back. Do you know how bad this got? According to the governor of the Sinaloa state, Ruben Rocha, cartel gunmen showed up at local hospitals trying to abduct doctors to take them away to treat their wounded fighters. Yeah, how about I, that? I mean, that's really desperate. Rocha said, though, the gunmen would be treated if they showed up at the hospitals, but that gunmen shouldn't try to abduct medical personnel. You know what? We just, this is a bad neighbor to have. It, you know, sometimes yeah, it's, it's too the, unstable. It, it, Remember a few years ago, they were picked as one of the most unstable nations mm -hmm. on the planet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the U.S. government had uh, a major, major travel warning. There are right. definitely sections of Mexico that nobody should ever go to. Right, because it it it's so unlawful, unlawful. It's all lawless, <laughs> unlawful. You know, they, and because the the drug cartels own wide swatches of land, and they have their own checkpoints, and and you get stopped on the road, and they the the drug cartel stops you, and nice. they they go through your car, and I don't know, maybe they're trying to see if you've got drugs. And apparently because this uh, failed president of Mexico took this approach that we're not going to have the military fighting the drug cartels. Mm. According to one expert, actually the cartels, they use this to grow stronger. Well, is he uh, compromised then? They've organized themselves better. They've armed themselves better. They've strengthened their structure, their finances. Okay. He let them do it. You wonder if, yeah. It's, right. it, it, that's you wonder not, if he's not uh, getting some sort of payoff. Well, because that's not an explanation. I wanted to do something different. It's like, no, that's a really bad idea. It's not something different. Well, we've always it's, said that in this country. The war on drugs has been a failure. We need a new approach. But And part of the approach is let's just have these injection sites so we can watch them die. But why no, is we'll it, save them. No, why is it a failure? They, they, they consistently don't do enough. They, they just, they, they, why, why do they always fail? Is it that hard? There are, there are countries where they don't put up. When you go to Singapore, you're not going to see this in the street. It's like the homeless situation. There are cities here in Southern California within five miles of where I'm sitting, like Glendale. You don't see, you don't see homeless people in Glendale. You go five miles in another direction and there's hundreds of them. Why? There are some countries that don't have any drug problems at all. There are others that are overrun. It depends on whether you're going to stamp it out or not, whether you're going to take the action. And you have to take strong, swift action, severe action sometimes, and you have to do it early. Yeah. You choose not to, it means you don't care or you're being paid off. Mexican president, somebody ought to track his finances. <laughs> be good where, where, where does he go at the end of his term? You know, because money gets, I mean, we were talking the other day about all the money that gets laundered uh, for Bernie Madoff. Did we talk about that new documentary coming out? No. Maybe I was talking to a couple of friends of mine. I got a minute here. So there's new Madoff documentary. The show, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I just talk all day, so I don't know if I'm on the air or off the air. Uh, so there's a new documentary on Madoff on Netflix. I haven't watched it yet, but I heard an interview on it. And apparently Madoff 
was was um, investing money for every criminal organization in the world, from Eastern European uh, crime syndicates and Russian oligarchs to Colombian cocaine cartels to Mexican drug cartels to the traditional mafia here in America. And he, it, they would send their money to certain banks, like in Austria, for example. Then Austria would send Madoff the money. So it looked like an investment from a bank in Austria. It actually was money from one of these criminal or drug organizations. But Madoff then was stealing the money, right? It was a Ponzi scheme. There were no investments going on. And he took a 150-year sentence in prison without fighting it because there was a mafia hit on him. And he, he didn't want to die. So he took the prison sentence, figuring that'll save his life. That's the whole point of this documentary. This guy who did the documentary figures that Sam Bankman freed with his cryptocurrency probably had the same game going on. And that those billions of dollars in cryptocurrency, because cryptocurrency is what the drug runners use now. All right, we got to take a break. we got more coming up. Johnny Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. And we've got Jason Middleton in for Deborah Mark, live in the 24-hour KFI newsroom. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit mortonbuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today.